Sunday night. That's right. Sunday night. Tojin Radio rocks. Bay Ragney here. A sick Bay Ragney. Sorry about that. Been going around the whole family here this past week. Actually, two weeks now. Um, everybody in the house is sick. I've got it. My wife has it. My daughters have it. It's just, uh, yeah, it's not good. But we're here to rock. You know, the music always makes you feel better, doesn't it? So I'm going to make myself feel a little better. I'm going to make everybody else feel a little better. Keep the music going. Got a ton of new music for you this week. You know, I'm almost like beginning to start thinking, like, I need to do a separate show just with new music because the new music is just taking up my whole playlist every week anymore. It's insane. But uh, let me run down what I got for you here this week in new music. We got... New Revolution Saints. We got new Letters from the Fire. They did a cover tune of a Demi Lovato song, uh, Cool for the Summer. We got, let's see what else we got going on here. We got new Boba Flex, new Prong, new Lynch Mob, new Quiet Riot. And we're going to kick off the show with new, new Steelheart in a second. But uh, I just wanted to apologize again for last week. Uh, we did a hysteria making Philly rock again, our live uh, live DJ event, which actually is also going on again tonight. It's going to be going on every week um, at the South Philly Bar and Grill. So uh, my partner in crime, he's going to be taking over the duties every week, um, Mr. DJ Mikey K. So if you're in the South Philadelphia area, uh, stop by South Philly Bar and Grill and tell him you're totally driven and request what you want to hear, and he will most definitely play it for you. But if you're not in the Philly area, and you're on here, and you're listening to me tonight, or tomorrow, or the next day, and you're here, and uh, you're totally driven no matter what, that's all that matters. So, like I said, we got a ton of music here for you, and I have an interview for you, too. If, remember, uh, let's see if you go back in time, for all you people that are around, you know, my age, we'll say. Um, back in the day, there was a band called Samson, which uh, is where Iron Maiden kind of like stole uh, Bruce Dickinson from. Well, their drummer was uh, this masked, mysterious guy. And he went by the name of Thunderstick. And he, he never really broke big here in America, but he was a huge part of the new wave of British heavy metal. And I just remember seeing him all the time in the, you know, in the magazines back in the day in circus and hit parader and stuff like that. But uh, I got to sit down and have an interview with him uh, about a week, a week and a half ago. So I'll be playing that tonight. He's got a, an album he just put out. Um, it's really cool. It's, if you like classic heavy metal, you're going to like this album. So uh, I'm going to talk to Thunderstick about a bunch of old stuff like Maiden, uh, his solo stuff. Uh, so it's kind of, kind of like a, like a, a history lesson, heavy metal almost, as well as a history lesson in uh, Thunderstick. So that's going to be coming up later in the show, as well as some Thunderstick music off the new album. So here we go. Let's do this. Let's kick it off. Uh, brand new, Steelheart, Got Me Running. <laughs>
on the inside You are innocence personified And I will drag you down and sell you out Run away I am cold like December snow I have carved out this soul made of stone And I will drag you down and sell you out Embrace by the darkness and losing the light Oh, wait.
you know, later crew, I always, I thought it was such, um, I, I mean, basically, I guess it was kind of like 6 a.m. It reminded me of a 6 a.m. Bobali crew. But anyway, um, Nikki Six, he had rotator cuff surgery the other day, and he posted video, like, uh, video, the actual surgery, like them going into his thing, uh, his shoulder, and weird. weird. Like, I, I don't know why, but uh, I, I can't watch that stuff, but maybe somebody does want to watch that stuff. I'm sure there is a lot of people that want to watch that, so uh, I'm sure you can just find that on YouTube or whatever, but Nikki posted that the other day, so there you go. Before that, Fozzie with Judas, that tune uh, just kicks freaking ass. Uh, before that one, brand new Quiet Riot, can't get enough. They put a video out for that this week as well. Their first video they've done in like three decades. <laughs> oh, excuse me, which, what took so long, guys? Uh, you know, I know they've had problems, you know, trying to find a solid lead singer to be a replacement for Kevin and uh, they're very happy with James right now um, but still uh, three decades, it's a long freaking time anyway I'm happy, to ha- I'm, I'm happy, I can't wait for the new album new album Road Rage is coming out any day now so uh, be ready for that uh, before that, the latest from Stone Sour, it's called Whiplash Pants and uh, actually the other day, uh, Stone Sour had uh, joined by a special guest vocalist to uh, to sing along with them, uh, and that was actually Corey Taylor's son Griffin. Uh, there's video of that floating around on the internet as well, so you can check that out. And we kicked off the show with brand new Steelheart got me running. I really dig that tune. It's good stuff. So uh, all right, so here we go. Let's uh, keep the music going. Uh, a band that is just uh, kicking ass. New song, new video, new album comes out soon. Here we go. La Guns, Speed.
Driven Radio rocks now and then.
All right, welcome back to your ear. There you go. And our now and then segment this week, brand new Lynch Mob. That was actually old Lynch Mob with River of Love. And before that, we did brand new. It's called Main Offender. Uh, video and single came out for that last week. Killer friggin' tune. Totally digging that one. Uh, before that, Ingve Momstein with Heaven Tonight with Jovan Turner on vocals. And uh, wow. What a few days can, can can make in the world of Ingrid Malmsteen. Uh, he issued a statement earlier in the week about uh, not wanting to work with uh, his former lead vocalist, uh, either Joe Turner, or Jeff Scott Soto, or Tim the Ripper Owens ever again. Uh, and then all three of them took the social media to uh, respond to his uh, comments. And then earlier today, Ingrid's management uh, took the social media and issued a response as well. Wow. Uh, to read it all in full detail, just go on TotallyDrivenRadio.com, uh, TotallyDrivenTV.com. Uh, I posted it up there today. It, it, it's it's quite interesting. It really is. Um, uh, what more can you say? I, I don't know. But before that, we did uh, Sebastian Bach, All My Friends Are Dead. And uh, Sebastian, uh, I, I don't know if they sold or what, but uh, he was selling a pair of his old boots on eBay for like 800 bucks. In case you're interested, uh, they will need to be resold because there's two giant holes in them as well. So if you're interested, look for that as well. And we kicked off that block of music with L.A. Guns and Speed. And actually, I just saw tomorrow night, uh, expect L.A. Guns. uh, They're going to be on Eddie Trunk's show tomorrow night, and they're going to play two more new tunes. So uh, check that out on uh, Eddie Trunk's show. All right, uh, here we go. Heavy hit of the week, brand new. Prong. They got a new album coming out. It's called Zero Days. This is called Divide and Conquer. Truth based upon your own values. Search for 
if they were selling out, I mean, and performing, they would be doing a song like off their new album, not a song from like twenty, thirty years ago. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, kind of stupid, but hats off to them. More power to them. Yeah, and, and hats off to Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon, uh, he puts on a great show, and he's such a musical. Uh, I, I'm gonna call him a musical genius. And he just loves all types of music. And to open the, open his doors and cameras, the Slayer, to do that was freaking awesome. So there you go. And uh, let's see. We kicked it off with Heavy Hitter of the Week with Prong, brand new, Divide and Conquer, off their upcoming album called Zero Days. So, all right, here we go. Uh, commercial break. We're at the halfway point of the show. Uh, it's three minutes. Give me three minutes. Let me pay the bills. Keep the music going. Keep the power on. And we'll come back on the flip side with our cover song of the week. Brand new Letters from the Fire. Stay tuned. Attention business owners, website owners, event promoters, or anyone looking to promote your product. The Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network is the perfect way to spread the word of your business around the world. That's right. You can advertise at our network and be played on all of our shows at rates that are so cheap. It's a no-brainer. For more information, contact Bay Ragney at bayragney at gmail.com. To keep your business driven, stay driven with Totally Driven Entertainment. Are you a fan of Sherlock Holmes? Letters from Holmes offers unique, one-of-a-kind letters from the world-famous detective himself. Handwritten on 8.5-inch by 11-inch aged parchment paper and using smudge-free ink to produce original, high-quality letters that fans will treasure for years to come. Each letter is handcrafted and written from the perspective of Sherlock Holmes, mimicking Holmes's native tongue and embracing many of the famous detectives' quirks, quips, insults and peculiarities. Order a love letter, birthday greeting, personal correspondence or more only at www.etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash letters from Holmes. For $5 today, you can buy a wealth of things. Gas for your car, rent a movie for the family, a few slices of pizza, $5 still takes you a long ways. But did you know that $5 can buy your child a bag of heroin in the streets? That's right. For only $5, your son or daughter can buy some of the cheapest and purest dope in the country. Be aware of the lies. Be aware of the stealing. Be aware that's all it takes to kill your child. $5. This message was brought to you by Casey's Cause, a group of parents located in southern Chester County out to save your child's life. Come join us today at www.caseyscause.com. And remember... $5 is all it takes. Casey's Cause, www.caseyscause.com. Looking for that perfect gift for your girlfriend? Then look no further than Teddy Scares. Teddy Scares are available in a variety of styles, sizes, and prices for all your shopping needs. Teddy Scares are a mix of cute and creepy to make a great gift for almost any age. Board up your windows, lock your doors, and log on to teddyscares.com. And be sure to become our friends at facebook.com slash teddyscares. Calling all comic book fans. Do you collect comics? Did you ever collect comics? Do you think your children might like reading comic books? Do you even know they still print real, paper, non-digital comic books? Well, then visit the Pirates of Ontario Street Comics in Philadelphia. We have a massive collection of comic books, action figures, trading cards, and much more. We have one of the largest stocks of back-issue comics in the area. We bag and board every new comic book at no extra charge. Our store is voted the best comic book shop in the 2013 PHL 17 Hot List Contest. Part of the movie Unbreakable is filmed in our store. We are open seven days a week. 
Ontario Street Comics is located at 2235 East Ontario Street in the Port Richmond section of Philly. Our phone number is 215-288-7338. Type in the words Ontario Comics Philadelphia to check out our Wacky Stores page on Facebook. All right, welcome back to Germany Rocks. There you go. Bay Ragney here, a sick Bay Ragney, but I'm here and you're there, so we're doing this. So let's keep doing this. Here we go. Cover song of the week. Brand new Letters from the Fire. They decided to do a cover uh, the other day. They just put this out, out of the blue. Check it out. Demi Lovato cover. Cool for the summer.
All right, welcome back. Children of Radio Rocks, there you go. Brand new from George Lynch and Michael Sweet. Sweet and Lynch back together. And that tune's called Promised Land. Uh, before that, our good friend, Mr. Bernie Torme, for our good friend, Miss Kyoko, with Back to You. We got it right this time. And I, I didn't need assistance on how to decipher how to read the name. We got it right. <laughs> uh, before that, the latest from Kid Rock, the greatest show on earth. And we kicked off that block of music with the cover song of the week. Letters from the Fire with Cool for the Summer, the Demi Lovato cover. So, uh, all right, we got one more block of music before we get into our interview. Here we go. Brand new, Cobra and the Lotus, Light Me Up. Watching you. See you 
Adrenaline Mob off their latest album. Um, really not much news going on there. Just um, it came out, I guess it was last week while uh, we were off last week, um, about their tour manager, uh, Jane Train, from the band M80. Uh, she ended up suffering uh, burns. I think it was like over 62% of her body. Oh, excuse me. They're doing some benefit concerts for her. Uh, to help raise money. She supposedly still, uh, as far as I know, she's still in the hospital. So uh, make sure, you know, keep your thoughts and prayers going on uh, with Jane Train, whole Adrenal Mom family, in this whole, just horrible time, horrible time. And, uh, you know, in time, I hope uh, everybody does okay and can bounce back as best as possible after this uh, tragedy. It's just, just a shame, friggin' shame. Uh, before that, Dio stand up and shout, which uh, the, it was announced this past week. The Dio hologram world tour. I would love to know your your thoughts, your feelings, your reaction to this whole Dio hologram world tour. Um, tweet them to me. Tweet them at Bay Ragney or email me bayragney at gmail dot com or you know Totally Driven TV or Totally Driven Radio. Just look for us all over all over the internet. Let me know. I, I'm dying to know people's thoughts into this. I, I don't want to give my thoughts and feelings out. Um, I will at some point, but I, I want to hear what other people think. And, and uh, it, it seems pretty 50-50. Like some people are for it, some people are against it. But I, I, just let me know what you think. That's what I want to know. Uh, before that, Josh Todd the Conflict would fucked up. Uh, before that, brand new from the Revolution Saints, they're back. Light in the dark, new album getting ready to come out. Um, so be staying for that as well and we kicked it off that block of music with Cobra and the Lotus and Light Me Up I'm sorry I, as you can tell I am sick and my voice is just uh, I'm just I'm sick bottom line <laughs> no excuses I'm just sick <clears throat> um, so alright so uh, here we go it's interview time uh, I got to talk to this guy uh, he's a legend new wave of British heavy metal legend goes by the name of Thunderstick Mr. Barry Perkins, here he is. Hello. Hey, you oh. made it. Oh, God, we're here. Oh, <laughs> well, that didn't I was just getting ready to shut everything down, and I look, I'm like, oh, shit, he's on there. <laughs> yeah, I'll be going, hello, hello, <laughs> for the last five minutes. <laughs> I said, interview over, I'm hoarse now, I can't talk anymore. <laughs> uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. You know, it's funny because. Uh, when I was going through things, like when I do these interviews with uh, people that yourself over in, in the UK, mm-hmm. um, the one that I, I've always, uh, that really taught me how to use the system right to get these done is a friend of yours, Mr. Bernie Torme. All right, okay, yeah. Yeah, he he would know all that sort of stuff. I'm, I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I'm a drummer. I just hit things, so. <laughs> not, not as technically minded. Anyway, we're there. Thank God. How are you doing, buddy? You're yeah, right? absolutely. Cool. So whereabouts in the States are you? I am in the Philadelphia area. Okay. Right. Nice. 
I, I used to live in. Ever... Um, yeah, I used to live in uh, on the east coast at uh, a, in Maryland, just outside a place called Savannah Park, which is okay. just 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 off the of Chesapeake Bay. Okay. Which is, right. which is very how nice. About that? Yeah. Well, how long ago was that? Oh my God, that was when I was married to Jody. Um, it would have been um, eighty-five, eighty-six. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, quite a while ago. Yeah, now you. Uh, I, I guess that's like what, after the whole uh, Samson thing when you came over to the states for a little bit then. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That was well. That was later. That was eighty nine, if I if I remember rightly. Wow. I mean, because uh, Paul, I came over and Paul came over at the same time, and we kind of that's how we hooked up, and we did that uh, those couple of gigs. It was good. Cool. Yeah, it's it's been um it's been a long career. Can you believe like uh, everything that's gone on over the last forty years? <laughs> no. Not not really. I mean, it's just, it's crazy, isn't it? it? Everybody's life takes a different, and you know, takes a different direction every now and then. And it, it's just really strange. You look back and I think, wow. You know, I've known Bernie now since, oh, blimey, 1979. I mean, that's... Oh, wow. That's, yeah, incredible. You go back and you think, wow, that's amazing. I mean, the, with this album, I haven't put any new... Thunderstick stuff out since oh my god it's got to be 33 years something like that yeah so, you know it, it's funny because like growing up like I, I remember um you know I'm, I'm closing on I'm 50 years old and I remember growing up in the 80s as a teenager and into the music scene and you know I would always see uh the magazines where you know you would see the infamous uh, Samson Pictures and Thunderstick and yeah. and uh, actually just like two weeks ago when I first got approached for this interview I was at a, a local used record store and I'm going through their inventory and I'm paging through and there was a Samson album in there I'm like oh my lord like Thunderstick like oh wow like whatever happened to him and I come home and I have an email about the interview which was totally mind blowing sp- yeah that's a bit spooky isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah. So, yeah. and it's like you wonder, like, wow, like, where has he been all these years? And now, like, I research and like, I, I find out all this stuff. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, far far ahead. Right? Ask me anything you want to ask me, and uh, yeah, I'll tell you. All right, cool. Well, let's go. Uh, let's go back in time for us a little bit. Like, um, the whole Thunderstick persona character that you created. Like, what was like? Uh, was there any special reasoning behind it, or? You, you yeah. wanted to hide behind a mask, or well, a bit of both, really. Yes, there was a, a, a thing about what what happened was that you're talking way back, you know, in the dark ages. Now, um, right. there was no, there was no, you know, kind of media, and uh, uh, you know, there was, there, it, in fact, it was very little at all. In fact, VHS was only just starting to come in, and so the way that bands got. Um, you know, got their name and their faces around was usually through the music press and the music press would maybe put in a, a poster of the band and, you know, that you could pull it out and stick it on your wall. And I got fed up with seeing, seeing drummers, like the, the lead guitarist up front strutting his stuff and the singer doing the self-same thing. 
and then you'd see a row of symbols and uh, a load of hardware and the top of somebody's head. And that would invariably, of course, be the drummer. So I thought along the lines of, you know, there were very few drummers that had that big persona. Of course, people like Keith Moon and uh, um, obviously John Bonham and all that kind of thing. But the the general sort of run-of-the-mill bands that, that you would know who the guitarist was, you'd know who the singer was, but you'd never know who the drummer was. So I just did exactly that. I created a faceless drummer. Um, when In doing so, I couldn't call it Barry Barry Graham or Barry Graham Perkis. So that's how Thunderstick was born, really. Now, were you did you come up with the with the whole character um, as you guys were forming Samson, or was this something before Samson that you started no, doing? Or I, I'd always I'd always been a bit of a, a theatrical nut. I, I loved a lot of theatrical bands such as the Tubes and. Uh, and Adira Alice Cooper and all those kind of bands that really had a nice theatrical thing going for them. And uh, so um, I'd always done that sort of thing. I'd always painted my face up. And even when I was with Iron Maiden before Samson, I used to still sort of, you know, paint my face gold and all kinds of weird and wonderful stuff. <laughs> and um, so, so Thunderstick sort of came along, yeah, just shortly after I joined Samson, really. Now, how, how were the uh, the other guys, like, even going back to, like, the early days when you were in, like, those original formations of Maiden, like, how was Steve Harris with that, and uh, how were the guys at Samson with the, the character? Well, obviously, Steve didn't have to, you know, I wasn't Thunderstick in, in Iron Maiden, but as I say, he used to paint everything up, and, and it, was, it was great, because it was a focal point for the band. Steve was all right about it. I mean, uh, it didn't detract from the music, and actually... It, it enhanced the music when you were, you know, when you were playing live. So, sure. you know, something something cool to look at as well. And um, I, I don't think Paul was too enamoured with it when we with, with Samson to begin with because he was a um, Paul and I shared a, a quite a, a background in the music that uh, influenced us and we liked. And most of those sort of bands were kind of. Uh, you know, a terminology spit and sawdust type of bands. You know, they were like, you know, no big deal about dressing up, and it was denims with a with a shirt, and and that was it. But Chris Aylmer, the bass player, loved it. Totally embraced it, we, and we both went along with with it. And of course, uh, Paul was outnumbered. And then along, then when we found Bruce, we had another, uh, you know, number to our ranks, and and we totally <laughs> outvoted him then. So it became very theatrical then. <laughs> <laughs> now did it become kind of like um the whole kiss mystique where people are always trying to unmask you and wonder who you were and chase you around did it become yeah. like a crazy like that at all for you yeah it, it, it crazy is the right word because i because of the kiss mystique that that kind of thing that never letting anybody see who you were um, I was the same with that. We could go on tour and we'd have a support band with us out on tour and they would, we would finish that tour and they had still never seen me without the mask on. Well, they had, but they didn't know who the hell I was. And it was really quite <laughs> strange because I could be standing at the bar after a gig, you know, with the, with the guys and, uh, and you get some fans come up and they'd start talking to Paul and Chris and they'd say, we're Thunderstick. And he, they'd say something like, oh, well, he ran off screaming into the night, and, uh, and there I was. I was standing right by the side of him. So, but it became 
after a while, it became really quite strange because I took on the Thunderstick persona and I started it, the, the kind of lines um, between Barry Graham Perkis and uh, and Thunderstick started to get a little bit uh, <laughs> a little bit smudged and I didn't know where one ended and one one began so uh, it it was a lonely life because I would do my sound check dressed with the you know with the mask on and all the rest of it and then the rest of, and and it, in using the mask I would always black my eyes out and black my mouth out with really thick grease paint stage grease right. paint. And it was a so-and-so to get off. It was horrible stuff. I mean, nowadays, it's a lot easier. You can just apply something and you can almost wash it off. But in those days, there was just this horrible, greasy muck. And uh, once I put that on, it took me a good sort of quarter of an hour, 20 minutes to rub all of that off my face. So invariably, I would do the sound check with the mask on and the rest of the guys would say, well, we're going off grab something to eat and I would end up sitting there in the uh, <laughs> in the dressing room all alone so it really did become quite strange but there was quite a few uh, we had a, quite a few mad experiences along the way <laughs> wow yeah. now, now like how about that like you were saying how uh, it got kind of tough like uh, that fine line like where the, the thunder stick persona began and end and where uh, the real life Barry came in I, I mean it, it had to like especially as, as the, the band started getting bigger over in the uk i mean it had to be kind of um <laughs> using the, the, the word crazy I, I mean for you yeah it was yeah it was that's exactly what it was it was it was crazy um i would i would kind of you know uh image up as it were um before we got into say for example we're driving to some place to do the gig and I would image up before we actually got into town because obviously there would be posters up advertising you know where we were playing and promoting where we were playing and uh, so I would check into hotels like it and uh, yeah it did it really became quite crazy it really did but uh, you know I, these days I know how to handle it <laughs> <laughs> At least I think I know how to handle it. <laughs> <laughs> did, did it cause um, any tensions between the, you and the other guys at the band? Because, I mean, you truly were the face of the band, so to say. Yeah, um, um, in the early days, no, not because uh, all publicity was good publicity. And uh, if I was the focal point for that band, all the time that we were getting press with it, you know, let's it, great. It's all let's go along with it. Um, it, it in the end, it it um, led to me leaving the band, Samson, because it did become uh, quite a, a, a horrible thing for them. Well, not horrible, but it it just became a bit of an encumbrance for them. And um, right. Paul wanted to change it. Paul, you see, I was trying to go more theatrical all the time. I was, I mean, in the early days, it was insane. We had so many pyros and so many this and that and massive great confetti cannons and bloody, uh, you name it. it uh, I mean, the stage looked like a, a bomb site after we'd uh, finished with it. Uh, <laughs> I, I really did. I mean, we had a, um, a roadie who was a pyromania. <laughs> he would like, to, I'm sure that, he, I'm sure his goal was to try and set Prior to the to the venue that we were playing at, and sometimes he, he actually succeeded. <laughs> but, but, uh, 
<laughs> yeah, it did become, after a while, it became a little bit of a, an aggravation, and I wanted to branch out theatrically. And um, the one thing that did it was uh, the, inf- the uh, magazine called Kerrang! was in its infancy okay. at, uh, at that time, and they, they did an interview, they being Paul, and I believe it was Bruce, uh, did an interview with Kerrang!, and on this particular occasion, they said, look, you know, um, could you please not ask us about Thunderstick and what he's doing and this, that and the other and all the rest of it? How about just asking us about the music and how we feel about the new album? And, and this would have been shock tactics. Um, and, and, you know, let's, let's go along that line as far as the uh, interview goes. And... Um, Un- unbelievably, because I wasn't, I wasn't there, obviously, and uh, unbelievably, when it was actually, um, they, it, they had the publication, it came out, that, that uh, particular magazine came out, and the interview was titled Fly and Mighty, and on every single paragraph, all the way down the page, was these tiny little thunderstick heads on every single paragraph. And they and the, the guy that wrote it up still went on about whatever it was. <coughs> Excuse me, I've I've got it somewhere, but I can't remember. You know what it what what he was actually asking, but it still went on about Thunderstick, and that was it. it. It kind of it it put the last nail in the coffin, really, for my relationship with the band at that time, wow. obviously, because I I went wow. back several several times after that, but um. You know, it was on a lot better standing when we when we got together and uh, reformed. It was a lot better. It was a lot nicer. But yeah, wow. unfortunate. But that's the way it is. <laughs> now, how about like I mean, uh, back in around that, I guess it was around 1980, where you had the opportunity to, I guess, rejoin Iron Maiden um, before Clive yeah. Bird went on it, and there was like a, I guess a kind of like a switching of the drummers, shall we say, where uh, Clive came from Samson and went to Maiden and something along that line? Yeah, it was. I mean, it didn't happen as clinically as that, but yes, it, it, right. it invariably ended up with me gigging with Samson with Iron Maiden stenciled on my drum cases and vice versa for Clive with them. Um, they they had a guy called Dougie Samson who played with them. I, I When we went out on a thing called the Heavy Metal Crusade, it was me that put forward... Iron Maiden as a good support, and uh, that's exactly what happened. We had Angel Witch opening, we had Iron Maiden in the in the middle spot, and Samson headlining. And um, we it was a, a tour. I can't remember what tour it was exactly. I think it was the Heavy Metal Crusade. Anyway, we ended up the tour, and uh, we were just coming to Christmas, and suddenly the phone goes at home a couple of days before Christmas, and it was Steve Harris, and he said to me. Um, have you? Would you consider coming back to to Iron Maiden? And I mean, it just took me completely by surprise because that right. that week um, there was a, a music publication called Sounds, and they had put my face or my my face in the mask on the front cover, and there was this huge, great double page spread with the with the actual terminology the new wave of british heavy metal and kerrang written on it so that's where those those two the the terminology was actually coined that uh, on that particular publication so um 
it ruined my Christmas. <laughs> I was back was and forth, back was what do I do? Do I stay with Sam? So he didn't want obviously he didn't want Thunderstick, he wanted me. So right, um right. two days after Christmas I went and played with them and they hired in a drum kit and we played and I was asked if I was still interested and I just didn't know what to do. I said, it, I've got it in my diary because I was actually keeping a journal all the way through that period. And um, I said, I'm going to have to need a couple of days just to think about it. And we we kind of agreed on that. I say we kind of agreed because it, it didn't go down too well that I still wanted um, to take another couple of days when, you know, Steve was after a, a pretty, an instantaneous reply, really. Um, right, right. And, and we were just about to go in and do, I believe we were going to go in and do head on. So the timing was very strange. And then, then the next thing, um, uh, Steve didn't phone after that. I didn't phone them. I made the, uh, I made the decision and said, right, I'm going to stick with Samson because the Thunderstick image was really taking off. And um, we went in and started doing the album. And then the next thing I found out was uh, who had got the gig, but Clive Burr which was, uh, you know, as I say, quite a, quite a strange thing, really. But then again, <laughs> Iron, but then again Iron Maiden and Samson, they've been intertwined r- r- quite a fair bit, you know, really, really sure, have. Sure. I mean, I came from them, and then Clive came from Samson, and then because we have, of course, Bruce. So it's all, you know, the, it's quite incestuous, isn't it, really? <laughs> now, how about, um, <clears throat> do, do you think the love of uh, your love of Thunderstick or the love for Samson at the time uh, made you not want to join Iron Maiden? Well, uh, that's a good question. I mean, I can remember at that meeting, at that when we, we had a blow together, I remember Rod Smallwood standing there and he said, this band is going to be bigger than Led Zeppelin. And I thought to myself at the time, that is really, really great for a, a manager to believe in the band that much. That's right. pretty really good but i, I kind of guess that he was right i you know i wouldn't i wouldn't for a moment like to you know to put a, a a definite on that as to whether they are bigger than led zeppelin i would imagine they probably are because led zeppelin didn't play the kind of places that iron maiden have been playing and therefore the fan base wasn't as big even though everybody loves zeppelin um it probably wouldn't be as big as as maiden have these days but um, sure. that's a good question. I don't know is the honest answer to that. Um, I don't know whether I, I was I was very involved with Samson. We were a four-man writing team, and when Bruce did join, we had a lot of material that Paul, Chris, and I had been writing, and Bruce had a lot of material. So we put the two together, and that's what uh, that's what actually was the, uh, the the basic core of the the head-on album. Um, but right. I really don't. I don't know what the answer is there, but it's a good question. Did, did it bother you, you know, uh, two years later, three years later when it was, uh, when Bruce went and joined Iron Maiden? No, no, because I'd gone by then. I mean, okay. um, I left, oh, I can't, I can't even remember the date, but we got, you know, when this magazine came out, it led to a big kind of furor between the two of us, uh, Paul and myself. And that was it. I said, okay, fine. Thanks a lot. See you around. Um, and then it was only a short while afterwards. I think they did Reading Festival. And, uh, yeah, the old story that 
both Smallwood and, um, and Steve Harris were there watching his performance with Samson. And it was after that right. performance that they collared him and said, would you like to join Iron Maiden? But I, I was right. off the scene by then. Gotcha. In fact, I probably think that at that that when Bruce did do that, I think I was playing with Bernie Tormey at that point. Okay. Okay. Cool. Very cool. Now, did they, did you uh, get approached again after uh, Iron Maiden parted with Clive uh, in the, the early eighties, or? No, 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 definitely not. I was, I was well gone by then. I was off the Christmas card list, list I should imagine. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, I mean, by that time, everybody had moved on, so you can't, you can't keep looking back. And no, I think, you know, as as we know, Nico's perfect for them, isn't he? Really, I mean, the way he plays with Steve, it's um, it's a perfect combination. And as to whether I would have fitted in to that degree, who knows? But there you go. One of those unanswered right. questions that will never be answered. <laughs> so then after after uh, the whole uh, Samson era and you went on and formed Thunderstick, you truly, um, I, I guess, uh, followed more of your own uh, musical influences, like you mentioned, like the Alice Cooper and the Tubes and all, where you truly made the whole band more theatrical, like yourself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the weirdest thing about it is that if you look at the, just to just to go back on the Iron Maiden thing again, if you look at the Thunderstick image and you look at Eddie, um, that uh, I would have, you know, there was a couple of guys that w- once were talking to me and they said, you know what, we were at school when all that was going on, and we always found Thunderstick to be far more frightening than Eddie due to the fact that. Thunderstick was real, and we knew that Eddie wasn't real, and that there was a guy in a suit who was, you know, flopping around the, around the stage. Whereas Thunderstick was a genuinely at that time a frightening character. And the reason I I put uh, a female at the front of the band was the fact that in that time at that time when Samson were around and I was doing my my thing. Um, Women's lib was a uh, women's emancipation was a really big movement in the UK at that time, and they started uh, honing in on us, and <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> and they were they were talking along the lines of that because of my mask was quite brutal looking that that mask in comparison to the mask that I have within Thunderstick, which is a lot more user friendly, it's a lot happier. Um, they started ripping all our posters down and saying that, um, you know, that we were, um, you know, at the time there was a guy called the Cambridge Rapist and a terrible thing. He would break into people's uh, homes and, and rape women in their own homes. And what was he wearing? Of course, he was wearing a Thunderstick type mask. And so, they, 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 yeah, exactly. They started going down the line of, you know, well, you know, uh, Thunderstick is nothing but glorification of a rapist. And it, I mean, that was a, a million miles away from what I was doing. You know, Thunderstick was a knockabout character, the sort of guy that you would get in a, a Hammer horror film, you know, that, that there, right. was nothing, there was nothing vicious about Thunderstick at all. At all. I never did anything that uh, belittled or anything like that on stage. So because of all this, I thought, when I formed my own band, 
great, I'm going to put a female vocal at the front of it. And then if I do get any of that kind of, uh, that kind of grief, I could just go you, go, you go and talk to her. She'll, uh, you know, she'll put you straight on all this. And yes, it did become very theatrical. Um, and, and I was able to do a lot more than I wanted to do on the theatrics with my own band than, than we did with Samson, yes. Was it hard to, uh, you know, at that time to find like a female singer to do what you had in mind? No, not at all. Um, quite the opposite, in actual fact. I think it was a comparatively new thing that um, that you you know had metal bands or rock bands or whatever you want to call them with female vocals. So there was only a few. Um, right. Doro, Doro Pesh being one of them with Warlock, um, and I had I had three singers that I really uh, I thought were really good. The first one was a, a Scottish girl called Vinnie Munro. Um, she did, did some demos with me, but unfortunately, during the course of doing those demos, she lost her voice, and oh, wow. I, I was a little worried that the material that we were doing really didn't suit her voice that much, so I thought it best that we parted company. We then had another lady called uh, Anna Marie Borg. Um, she was Maltese. And um, much the same thing. She blew her voice out. She was on the EP, Feel Like Rock and Roll. She did four tracks on that EP. And then the third person to come in was uh, was Jodie Valentine. And um, uh, we ended up obviously being a, a, a couple and we got married. And um, it was great because we, we could really work together. And it was a, a, a really good relationship in as much as that we both knew exactly what we wanted from the band and how far right. we could push, push it and all the rest of it. So, yeah. And, I mean, now, and get it. No, I was going to say, like, and now how was that, like, um, being that you guys were together in a couple um, and you worked so – I mean, I guess it must have been good because you guys worked for many years together. And, uh, I mean, did it carry over – into like any, you know what I mean, like uh, a yes. on the music games yes. that carried over. <laughs> yes, yes, more yes. <laughs> um, yeah, of course it did. Uh, it, it's it's like the old adage: you can't, you know, can't remain, um, uh, you can't maintain a, a relationship within such a vol volatile environment, such as the music industry, without something known pop. And it did, you know, at first it was great. We were able to keep it all under control. Um, but then bit by bit, yes, it would creep into our, our private life. And, um, you know, it, uh, it was hard, I must admit. It was quite hard sometimes. But, you know, there were other people that were doing it. There was, um, oh, uh, Jesus, what's the, the drummer from uh, Terry Bozio? And uh, yeah. and and um, what was his wife's name? Uh, Dale Dale Booth. Yeah, 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 Dale. And you know they had a they had a great thing going at that time with missing persons, and you know we were a bit like that, um, and and we really knew what we wanted, and it was strange because we would Jody and I would end up signing management contracts, but the rest of the band wouldn't be asked to sign, um, and so it was only us. We knew that we were the hardcore part of the band and right. you know, I mean it's it's only to bring it right up to date that is the main reason that I've done this album um, 33 years after after the event in as much as that after finding out that Jody died last year and oh, wow. 
it really got to me. I mean, it wasn't the fact she had died. It was the way that she had died because she had, um, she had uh, early onset Alzheimer's disease. And she, she was put into a home. And um, now I don't know how much of this is true, but I've been told by a lot of people that knew her at that time that her mother, um, I mean, I don't know how to say this. It's probably not for broadcasting this, but uh, her mother actually, um, you know, put a stop to all her friends and and uh, and people she knew from and just kind of, put her in this assisted home and she was in an assisted home for five years. And there was a guy that contacted me who was a musician. He found out about her past because, and he, he used to go and volunteer going to, you know, meet these people and uh, go and visit them. And he took the album in that I had put out in 2011, which was a, a remastering of all of our material at that time uh, plus some oddities that had never been put out. He took the CD in and played it to her, and the worst thing that uh, he could have told me was the fact that she couldn't even recognise her own voice, her own singing on that album. And she kind of just looked and stared out the window, and it, uh, I mean, really did that really kind of carved me up a little bit. And so there was wow. a lot of, ma- lot of material that Jody and I had been doing live back in the day and I just thought, you know what? I would really, really like to record this material, bring it up to date, and um, and that's what I, I mean. The whole album is really kind of is my way of paying a, a kind of homage to to Jody, really, and saying it's my final sort of goodbye to her. Um, and even though we hadn't, you know, we hadn't stayed in contact when she did go back to the States and we eventually got divorced, we didn't stay in contact with each other. She gave up all the music uh, industry and singing. She became, uh, she had a classical um, training in piano, had a, 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 you know, she had a degree in classical piano. So she went back to um, giving piano lessons and gave up the singing completely. So, yeah, it's been, it's been, yeah, it's been kind of hard, but I've thoroughly enjoyed the process as well. Obviously, it's it's almost like a you know it's a laying ghosts to rest and closing a closing of a door for me really. I guess it's kind of been like uh, almost like therapy for you as well, going through all this. Yeah, yeah, it's been hard because of all the the amount of tracks that I've had to relearn how to play them again because it's been years since I've played them and. Um, and then not only learning how to play them again myself, and the only way that I could do that was by listening to, um, you know, recordings of, of both uh, the band with, with Jody and I in it at that time, mid-80s, late, right. late, late, late 80s, and then having to put a band together again and then to, uh, teach them how to play it. Um, but I was fortunate enough that uh, one of the guitarists that he used to play with in one of the lineups, the very last lineup of Thunderstick in the 80s, um, he's, he's on this album, and I brought him back into the fold, and that was great to work with him again, because he had played all those songs live with us, and then had never, ever had them out on an album. So for him to uh, actually be on the album, he's, he's really happy about as well, which is great. That's nice. Very cool. Yeah. Now, you have a new female singer who's on this album, and her name yep. is Lucy V. Yep. What do I what do I say about Lucy V? Well, um, 
Oh, well, what can I say? Lucy V, I discovered through uh, a mutual friend who um, who was on the lookout for me and found her. Um, it's been it's been hard with this because although it's a, a um, although it's a band album, it is all because it is so personal to me. I've also kind of re- regarded it somewhat as a uh, as a solo album as well so i mean lucy lucy has a lot of work of her own and um you know when we depending on how the album does um if it starts creating a little bit of a a buzz about it and a vibe excuse me i will put a band together to to go out and play it live which will be great uh, but at the moment, it's just all X Factor. I mean, you know, I haven't got a clue how it's good. It has been received quite well. The people that have done reviews and write-ups of it have so far been really on my side, which is which is great. I mean, I'm a bit, I'm in a bit long in the tooth these days to uh, actually take too much attention to uh, to reviews. And um, but we've come out of it quite well. And so, yeah, I mean, uh, if. When we actually think about going out live, then I will reform that band, and it will probably be the recorded band. But I'm not sure. I don't know. That's exciting, though. To me, that is exciting because because it is so. You know, there's a big question mark over everything. I haven't planned everything like in the old days. I was very meticulous in the way that I would run the band. And I would plan things way in advance. Whereas this album has been somewhat nice because it just—I've just put it out there, and, and we see how it goes. So, uh, in other words, what you're saying is too, you're you're kind of deep down looking forward to putting that thunderstick mask back on and getting out there. Yes, you you got it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean it was fun doing. <laughs> I did um I did kind of promotion video for um because we we've done really well we we've used a thing called uh, crowdfunding I presume you have that in the states as well where sure. you can uh, we we have done so uh, a large amount of it I've uh, a large amount of the the money to record it I've put in myself um, but also we have had a substantial amount coming in through uh, crowdfunding which is really great I mean at the end of the day when you're asking people to uh, part with their hard-earned cash, um, that's when you—that's f- when you really find out how, how you know what kind of fan base you have, and sure. and to find find that people are actually prepared to, and and I've been absolutely amazed by some people who have put in really big bids about various things, and they don't want anything super in return. They just all they just want to do is feel as though they were part of that making of that album. And it's a very humbling experience. It really is. You, you, I can't kind of be conceited about it and go, oh, well, yeah, I knew I had a, a, you know, a big following or whatever. Because to be honest with you, I didn't know I had, how much of a following I had. And it's really surprised me. It's been really, really uh, absolutely amazing for me. It's, uh, yeah, it's been quite incredible. Was that a was that a scary thing? I, I it's funny because um, Bernie Torme. I mean, he he's done those his last few albums, and he's been hugely successful doing the crowdfunding. Um, and I've said to him, like, you, you have to be. I would be petrified. Like, does he, does anybody care? You know what I mean? Like, are, is anybody yeah. actually going to uh, okay. donate anything? So I mean, was it scary going into that? Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. You just 
you hit the nail on the head. That's that's exactly how you feel. I mean, Bernie, obviously Bernie is, uh, because he's a, a friend and I've known him for years and years and years, I, I still, Bernie is one step up further than I am. You know, I'm the first to admit that. I mean, I've got my pedigree and I've got my, my little niche within the, the idiom that I play in and, and, you know, hard rock, classic rock, whatever it is. But, you know, Bernie's one more step up the ladder. I mean, he's ex-Ozzy Osbourne, for God's sake. He's ex-Ian right. Gillen and, you know, so, and Dee Schneider and all those kind of... So, I, it, and because Bernie gets out there and has been out there doing it, for quite a while now, um, he generates that uh, that following a lot quicker than I did. But it was it was scary for me. And uh, bit by bit, we got there. And, and I, as I said before, I just really, really feel very humbled by it all. That's awesome. Now, Ooh. did you uh, did you do any giveaways of uh, of like mask? Um, I didn't actually give away any masks. No, that's actually a good idea. Um, no, I put a few up on the, but um, I think um, there's only two masks in in that lot. I, I have about twenty of bloody stupid things. I know we've got twenty masks. For God's sake. Um, yeah, I have one for lounge, <laughs> one for dinner, <laughs> dinner, one for um, you know sound checks, and uh, one for uh, the gig, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But no, I um, there's only two masks, and one what the, the original Samson mask, and the the Thunderstick mask that I wear now with all the rhinestones all over it and everything. But yeah, I've got a few, I've got a few in the loft, so I, I must do that. I must do some kind of, uh, I think um, if I did any kind of uh, charity stuff, it would be for probably Alzheimer's because of uh, the connection with Jody, obviously. So yeah, yeah, that was that's a good idea you suggested. That I think I will probably do that now. Now, now, how about that again? Going back to uh, with with the new album and and Jody, um, you know, passing and, and then bringing on the Lucy. Um, was it tough trying to go yeah. through the process of finding a singer to take Jody's place? Yeah, I, that's why I chose Lucy because she's so different to Jody's voice. Um, Lucy's background is uh, more kind of contemporary blues and uh, and and rock. Whereas as Jody, when when I first met Jody and she first came over, she's crazy about some English rock bands. So her all-time favourite band was The Who, and um, that's what brought her over. She literally just got on a plane and and came over and and went in search of a band. And um, so she had done musical theatre in the states and uh you know man of la mancha and uh godspell and and all those kind of things you know jesus jesus christ superstar she had done that uh in a thing called summer stock and um, okay so it was it was great because she was so open to vocal style and i i kind of took on that kind of lothario um thing with her where I, I for certainly I didn't teach her how to sing, but I taught her how to sing rock and roll, and how not to hit precise notes, but to kind of groove your way up to those notes, and you know as rock singers do. Um, whereas right. as Lucy, Lucy's different; she's she's uh, she has a style, and that style is a contemporary blues style. Um, so she's a lot grittier than uh, than Jody was. Jody was a lot uh, lot clearer, cleaner. Um, whereas Lucy's voice is, it's got that, that dark, smoky 
type of thing within her voice, which is great for the material, it really is. But it was hard because I had to teach her, um, you know, how to how to sing. Some of the songs we had to change a little bit because they were in the wrong key for her and uh, and she wasn't able to do that sort of same vocal performance that Jodie did. But it's all turned out great. It really has. Cool. Now, you had mentioned a few times about uh, keeping a journal and a diary and all. Was, is there any plans to possibly write a book? Oh, man. I just wish I could. I really do, because the amount of times I've threatened this. In fact, there was a guy from the <laughs> States. <laughs> there was a guy from the States who contacted me. Um, he had got involved with a guy who had been um, one of the road crew for Iron Maiden back in the day. And um, he'd written this, Loopy, his name is, and he'd written this book. And this guy from the States had got involved and uh, financed it and backed it, etc. He then got hold of me and turned around and said, you know, have you ever thought about writing a book? And I said, well, yeah, I've thought about it so many times. But it's just a case of starting it. Because I did keep a journal all the way through those days. And, uh, and some of the crazy things that happened, I mean, you wouldn't be able to make it up. You really wouldn't. And it would be... It would also be great fun to do so, but I've just got to get get it together to do it, basically. I'm, I'm sure, lazy sure. regarding that, and I must sit down and start. Once I start that first page, then hopefully we can roll on from there. <laughs> but there's some real crazy stuff. There really is. I mean, you know, I'm sure it's a rock and roll book that people would like to read. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Now, and and uh, going back to the whole uh, Iron Maiden thing, you were talking about Eddie early, early on. Do you, do you think Thunderstick had any uh, influence in the the birth of Eddie as a like their mascot? Um, well, that's a loaded question. I, I I couldn't tell you. I don't. I haven't got a clue. Um, I thought that a few times, but I don't think so. I mean, it was what happened was that when I was with them, they had a, a, a singer that used to do a little bit on stage during Iron Maiden. Um, where he had a rapier sword, and he used to pull it across his mouth as if it was, you know, cutting his his mouth opening. And he'd have a couple of blood capsules in his mouth, and he'd spit blood out. And that. so they then took that onto a kind of a head that was behind the drummer. And they they built in a little thing where it foamed red liquid came, came coming out of its its mouth, and then that later went on to become something else, and then eventually it became Eddie. And the reason it was called Eddie, as you probably know, is that because in Cockney you don't you don't uh, pronounce the H of head, and so it became Ed, <laughs> the, uh. the, the band's Ed, and it became Eddie. And there we go. So um, I don't know. Who can say? <laughs> cool. So, all right, so the album is called Something Wicked This Way Comes. And let's tell everybody where they can get that at. Um, and it, you can get it on. I have a, a web store called um, My Free Web Store. And if you just put My Free Web Store in slash Thunderstick, that will take you to it. Um, it's going to be available. The release date, the official release date for the CD, the download is available now. Um, the CD will be available as of the 31st of this month. Um, you can get it through my Facebook. You can get it through my Thunderstick page, Facebook as well. You can also get it through Bandcamp, um, which is, is good. That's downloadable, and uh, or you can pre-order it. 
So yeah, quite a few places. Just go on on Thunderstick Facebook, and it will direct you. I'm I'm I've uh, got my own uh, Thunderstick website, and it's been dormant for a, quite a few years now. It's been inactive, not doing anything, and I've just started all that up again. So we're in the process right. of uh, redesigning all that. So yeah, there's loads of places that people can have a look. It's got. I mean, it's got to be exciting for you. This whole. Uh, resurgence of Thunderstick and the music and all. It, yeah, but it really is. I mean, I can't, I, I can't begin to tell you. It's been hard work. Um, I never expected it to be as hard as it has been. And we've had lots of false starts and bits and pieces going wrong and one thing and another, you know, just to try and get an album out there. And it has been hard. But at the end of the day, as I said earlier, it's a, a really... A laying of, uh, of, of you know, uh, uh, and it's just a, a closure, really. It's a, a closure on that material. Um, my last goodbye to Jody, as I say, and it's it's great because, and and also the the place thing that we were talking about. You just I didn't know if people were still going to be interested out there, and to find that there are people interested and they want to go and buy the album, that's great. Sure. It really. It's so it's so nice. I mean, I don't know what else to say really. It's just cool. <laughs> so nice. Cool. All right. Well, uh, I want to thank you so much. I'm I'm so glad uh, we got this figured out and got you in here. <laughs> yeah, eventually. Awesome. We got there eventually. <laughs> if I can just ask you to cut an ID for me before you go, that would be uh, the final thing. That's great. Uh, this is, uh, I, I guess this is Thunderstick, and you're listening uh, to Totally Driven Radio. And this is Thunderstick, and you are listening to Totally Driven Radio. Awesome. Barry, thank you so much for everything, and uh, I'll let you know when this is going to air. That's great. Thank you, Barry. It's been really nice talking to you. You too. Take care of yourself. Take care, man. Bye.
right, welcome back to Generity Rocks. There you go. And there he is, Thunderstick, with that tune was called Go Sleep with the Enemy. And it's coming from uh, the album. It's called Something Wicked This Way Comes. <clears throat> uh, excuse me. What, what an interview. I was so, uh, we were having so much technical difficulty getting that done. And it was scary. Like, I actually had walked away from my desk, and I was getting ready to, like, delete the uh, the session on my software because uh, we weren't getting it. And I was just getting ready to hit delete, and I looked, and I made the, the call in on time. I was like, oh, my God. So uh, that's why I was like, when I started, I'm like, oh, my God, you made it. So, But it was very cool. Cool interview. Really nice guy. Uh, check out that album. Pick it up. Especially, I mean, if you're a true classic metal fan, you're going to love it. Bottom line, you're going to love it. So check it out. So, all right. So everybody, thank you for tuning in again this week. <clears throat> Thanks for bearing with me with my sick voice. Um, yeah. Thank you for being driven. I, I can't thank you all enough. I mean, truly. Um, so I'm, I'm like drawing a blank. I'm trying to wrap up the show. And I'm just drawing a blank. So there you go. I'm just babbling on. But anyway, here we go. Let's wrap it up. Uh, thanks again for everybody for tuning in. Thanks for everybody for rocking out. Uh, thanks to Thunderstick. Uh, got some more interviews coming up for you. I got uh, an interview uh, taped. I got to get out there for everybody with uh, lead singer Luca from the band Killset. We've been playing our song, uh, their, their cover of the tune uh, Jump, the old crisscross uh, hip hop classic. So uh, I got an interview with him done. I got to get out there for everybody. Got more interviews coming up this week, so uh, stay tuned. We return live to Total Gym Radio on Thursday night. Check that out. And uh, just uh, look for us all over social media. Look for uh, Total Gym Radio, Total Gym Entertainment. Look for myself, Bay Ragney, all over the world, the social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Like us, love us, follow us, support us, and Check out our website, TotallyDrivenRadio.com, TotallyDrivenEntertainment.com, TotallyDrivenTV.com. Take your pick. They all lead to the same place. And, uh, yeah, until next time, stay driven. See you, everybody. <laughs>